This week on A Lively Experiment, a blowout in the race for governor, the voters in CD2 deliver a victory for Seth Magaziner, and the national race is still in the balance that will ultimately decide who controls Congress. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazenwhite, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with the election analysis, Bill Bartholomew, founder of the Bartholomew Town podcast, Raymond Bakari, editor in chief of the Anchor at Rhode Island College, and political contributor Bob Walsh. Hello and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. Well, it turns out Rhode Island did have a congressional race that reflected what happened nationally with Democrats and Republicans, but it wasn't the ending many of the national writers expected. And Seth Magaziner staved off an attempt by Alan Fung to flip a reliably blue district red. And the big red wave that many expected, including a lot of Democrats, never materialized. Raymond, let me begin with you. You were at Fung headquarters, and boy, the mood flipped pretty quickly, didn't it? Absolutely. It was. It started off uh, Magaziner leading by a bit, then Fung went up, and then the lead was shrinking. It was going back and forth. As soon as the mail ballots uh, kicked in and Seth's lead uh, increased, and it was clear that uh, when uh, WPRI called it for Seth. Uh, the mood just shifted. I think somebody even yelled in the crowd, they yelled Rhode Island sucks. That mood just dramatically shifted. Were you surprised? I mean, I think Fung probably thought he was going to win going in, given all the polls. W were you surprised that Magaziner pulled it out? A little bit, because uh, Mayor Fung did everything he could. He, uh, this campaign was ran very well. The, he, he had the money, the resources, the national visits from uh, Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. The Republicans put all their chips on the table in New England. They weren't only looking at this seat, but they were also looking at a seat in Connecticut. A little bit surprised, to say the least. Well, I think the people of Rhode Island rejected culture war garbage, and that's what we saw play out. At the end of the day, I think that the, the visit from Chris Christie, the association with Kevin McCarthy, that's what played against Alan Fung. Look, people can agree, by and large, Alan Fung's a good guy. You know, he, he, th there's certainly people out there that would say he did an amazing job as mayor of Cranston. You know, he, he could have been this moderate candidate for the state. It would have been nice to have in the face of the various disapproval of policies or uh, results of policies of the Biden administration. Some people would have said this is a perfect chance for a Republican or an opposing po political party of some sort to take over. But Rhode Islander said, you know what, we're all set with that. We can't take the risk even though this isn't going to decide the balance of power inside the House of Representatives of Alan Fung wins or loses that CD2 race, we don't want to be a part of the culture war type of atmosphere that Republicans are associated with right now. And I thought Seth Magaziner did pretty well in those debates. And I think whoever was advising him to stay on message and really hammer home what it would mean to have a Republican in Congress, I think that ultimately swayed some people. Um, I think that, uh, yes, I think Seth did great in those debates. He stayed on message. He was robust. He was lively, to use the word on the show. Um, he rose to the occasion as he needed to do. But I was um, uh, guardedly optimistic, as you know from prior appearances on the show, that this district was going to stay Democratic. I ran the numbers myself. The numbers came in remarkably close to what I, that I expected, that we play the rest of the district to neutral. We win in Providence and we win the race. 
Um, now, that wasn't without a lot of hard work. An excellent candidate, an excellent campaign staff, a phenomenal ground game. Uh, there were more people canvassing on Election Day than we've probably seen since Sheldon Whitehouse took the uh, uh, seat from Link Chafee. Um, and it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful effort. Alan Fung, now I can say it again, is a nice guy. And he really is a nice guy. And, and you know, I wish him well in whatever he does. Um, but he was a nice guy playing for the wrong team. You know, who's your favorite player for the team you want to beat in the World Series? And it is still a Democratic district. It's not like the first district, which is overwhelmingly blue, but it is still a blue district. And I'm convinced Alan Fung got every possible vote he could get, and he got extra votes because he was a nice guy. There were some variations on the theme. He didn't do as well in Cranston as people expected. And uh, Providence didn't turn out as heavily because there was no mayor's race. But ultimately, the districts performed uh, community by community as we expected them to. And the uh, team that was supposed to win won, at least in Rhode Island. Let's pull up the map. We have a map. This is uh, provided by the Providence Journal. I know some outlets have done this. And let's take a look at that CD2. And, uh, man, it is, it is red to the left, Bill, and then it is blue a little bit closer to the coast. Sort of looks like the presidential race in 2020 and kind of what we've come to know, the, the new version of Rhode Island politics as, right? At one point, East Greenwich, Barrington, that was purple leaning red, and it's certainly not the case anymore. And, you know, there were high numbers of voters that turned out in some of these red areas. You know, on election night, we were watching that 105, 108% of the 2018 totals had turned out in some of these red areas. That still was not enough to get Alan Fung or any of the, the Republicans across the finish line. I agree with Bill. And uh, to, to Bob's point, Cranston, Fung only won it by, I believe, three points or 3.3. It was very close. And you have to consider when he was mayor, he was winning with 60 percent of the vote. So he, that that didn't help. And then Warwick was close. It just uh, And Providence, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I wrote a piece uh, for Ian Donis's column a few weeks ago saying that salt water cures everything and it would cure the uh, any issues the Democrats had. And if you look at the map on the screen, it was just terrific because all the salt water communities, all the communities bordering uh, the salt water did incredibly well for uh, Seth You should trademark that phrase. Uh, well, I think Dinosaur beat me to it. But we're <laughs> no, we're going to have Rhode Island politics to it. It's, uh, That's right. It's uh, sweat... Uh, Sweat tears in the sea, and we're going to add and Rhode Island Democratic politics to the quote because it, uh, the turnout um, was, again, where it was supposed to be. Now, that means we have work to do. You know, I'm never going to be satisfied with that level of success. I want to get inland and start uh, getting those folks back to their Democratic roots. It's, Johnston should not be a Republican well, town. We've got to talk to Mayor Paul, soon to, to be the ex new Mayor Policina. Yeah, yes, the other one, Policina Jr. Uh, yes. So the, the other question <laughs> is, you know, a lot of people second guess said, would Fung, would this have been the year that he had won if he ran for governor? Of course, the ball question, probably not the one you want to ask him like an, a minute after he lost. But you wonder about this. And is this the last we've seen of Alan Fung? Does he run again? Probably not. Probably not. I, d I don't think he runs again. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what Rep. Fenton Fung will do in, in uh, a potential 2024. Uh, maybe she runs for mayor. Does she run for re-election? That's what I'm looking at at this point for Cranston. Yeah, what do you think? Boy, it's hard to imagine that Allen is going to resurface in, in politics anytime soon. You know, maybe he goes away for a while. Maybe he goes back to being a Democrat or something. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but, but look, the reality is that uh, a stinging defeat, you know, you go 0-3, that's, you know, it's not a good place to be at. Um, if he had run for governor, I still don't think that when you look at the vote totals and the way that it played out for McKee, it just wasn't the year 
for Republicans in Rhode Island. This is not a you know a scenario where it's a Fogarty Karcheri matchup and and in a year where you know, there was momentum on a national basis that really played out for Democrats in, in terms of the opposite here with Republicans. Nothing would have gotten him across the finish line in any major race. Uh, Allen uh, started his life as a Democrat. I am hopeful the prodigal son will return to the party. Well, don't hold your breath and if then, he's going to uh, stay married to uh, Mrs. Fenton. Fenton. Oh, I know plenty of couples where one side is a Democrat and one side is a Republican. Well, you know what? We'll take them both. Hey, let's uh, <laughs> we'll take let, them both. Let's stay, <laughs> let's stay with you and let's move to the governor's race with the disclaimer that not only were you supporting in the NEARI, which you are now retired now from. Retired. Hey, welcome to us in retirement. You're oh, now political. You. Contributor. Yeah, you're a political right? contributor. Um, <laughs> that hasn't stopped you before. Uh, but you were also advising Dan McKee, so let's just get that yes, out, I, uh, out of the... Yes, I was uh, helping uh, the governor in his re-election campaign, a few other candidates. Did you expect the blowout, the 20 No, blowout. I did not expect the blowout. I thought we would get over the 53% of the vote that Gina got in her last, that Governor Raimondo got in her last election. I did not expect it to be quite as high as it was. I saw that uh, it seemed to start to turn in the last week and a half. Uh, again, same thing, grand game in the second district who brought the Democrats uh, home for Seth, uh, added to the total for Governor McKee. Had the first district turned out even heavier, because they were very light in their turnout, uh, you could have seen Governor McKee with a 60%. Did McKee uh, have internal polls at all or not? Or at that point, it was just uh, all early, ground uh, A few weeks before, there were polls showing there was no reason to panic. I wasn't really worried about the race. I, I think there was a lot of fake hype coming either from the Kalis campaign or just because people get bored suggesting the race was close. Yeah, uh, yeah those my are the people who look at Twitter. Please, yeah, well, come on. Well, one of the uh, frustrations in, in the process is in general, people often misinterpret things that happen. Like the Democratic Governors Association spends money at the end. They say, oh, if they're spending money, it must be because it's close. Oh, it could be they're spending money because the timing to spend money to get those last-minute undecided voters who are usually swing voters is at the end, and it was programmed in and it was spent. A reason to spend money in the governor's race is to boost turnout to help the congressional seat. A reason to spend money in the governor's race is to boost turnout to help all the down-ballot races. So don't tell us what we're doing. We'll tell you what we're doing, but not before the election. So, Raymond, <laughs> you and Bill, both that you did the radio debates with the governor, you had the one out at Rick. Uh, did the results surprise you, given what you... You know, yours was a couple of weeks before the election, but what did you make, when you got to see them in person, what did you make? Uh, I just looked at it and saw it's a blue state, running statewide is very tough. I'm a bit surprised because she did... Uh, I, I mean, I thought McKee was going, Governor McKee was going to win uh, election to a full first four-year term, but I thought it would be maybe a little bit closer. I didn't think it was going to be a, a, a blowout. I thought it would be a little bit closer, especially considering that uh, Kayla spent $5 million, and there was all, like uh, like you said, there was all this hype on that end of the, of the campaign saying that it could really end up being closer, and that hype even went into some races like uh, Treasurer and Lieutenant Governor. You put your name on the ballot and you breathe, and you can basically get 30 to 35%. She got, she got less than the baseline vote. Right. When uh, when folks who were below her on the ballot who spent no money got more votes Pat than she did. What was Bob yeah. Healy's favorite, famous line? He got, whatever it was, 21, 22% of the vote, and he spent $5. He said, can yeah. you imagine if we spent $20? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. We could have won day on Channel 12. Yeah, we could have won that race. Yeah, right. You know, what it was for me was, and having moderated the debate and covered both of these people very closely over the course of, well, for McKee, you know, my entire career as a <laughs> political pundit, really. He was guest number one on my podcast. But uh, for, for Ashley Kalis' time, I've seen her in and out of political environments. 
uh, in the debate, you know what, she has the gift of gab, and for the low information voter, she was very appealing, you know. Uh, FBI investigation, corruption, you know, we're going to save, we're going to give you free electricity or whatever it is, you know, whatever the case may be. It, it, for the low information voter, that was very appealing. But I went to her Democrats for Kalis event. It was inside some... That was a sad event, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it was in some, so, some kind of truck hangar. First of all, you got people grilling inside. So, I mean, I, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. asphyxiating <laughs> in, the, in the middle of it. I had to go outside. Then you get out there, you got 50 people smoking cigarettes in my face. So by the time I recovered from that, you know what I mean? <laughs> made my way back into the hangar, you know, okay, who do we got? Is it gonna be Nick Mattiello? It's just like a pro, the bus was parked there, is the door of the bus gonna open, and out comes, you know. Joseph Archie, Joseph Archie, you know, bam, or, you know, it's Helena Folks, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you got a big time basketball announcer making the, the entrance, whatever it is. Maddie Smith, Dick right. Fossa, a bunch of town councilors in North Providence, yeah. you realize the that The prior this, century was, well, it was sparsely <laughs> represented, but it was the only, yeah. It showed town, just how, you know, this thing is not real. This whole thing is, you, you know, hey, look, the bus is nice. You got a, you got a nice color scheme that can, can make some people say, oh, geez, is she a Republican? Is she a Democrat? I don't really know. But there's just not enough people who are I, I will say this. She, uh, the Kalis campaign had the potential to be very dangerous had they structured it differently. Had she taken if you were that, advising, what would you have told What I would have done of that $5 million, I would have made sure a million of it went to the down-ballot candidates, all who had their own followings, so that they were contesting, so that we were fighting battles on multiple fronts, Lathrop, not the top one. Gukian, Kalenda. Right. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that would have been one. Um, I, she didn't effectively define herself before she went full negative. She didn't understand the people she was talking to. She had sharp people around her, so I assume they weren't listening to advice. And as far as I could tell, because it's we're such a small state when there's a poll, everybody calls each other and said, did you get the latest poll? Who do you think it was from? I don't think she was doing any real polling. I also want to say it took quite a while for us to know who the Republican that was running for governor was. We didn't. January. We didn't, yeah. It, it took a long time for a while. We thought. Remember, was, Susie Yankee came out. Somebody's right yeah, around the yeah, corner. Somebody's right around the corner. And so. it, it, the same thing for a few of the other statewide races, too. You have to get. If you're running in a blue state and you're already facing an uphill battle, get an early start and at least start a year out if you want to turn but, some heads and make a difference. But here's the real sage political advice she shouldn't have run because if you don't know who you are, how do you tell people who you are? You know, it's, it's uh, you know, no secret, I help candidates uh, prepare for debates, which means I watch all the debates and I pay attention to them. I turned to her campaign manager once who was sitting near me during one of the debates when she was talking about Keynesian economics and she also quoted Teddy Kennedy without referencing Teddy on education being the civil rights issue of a century. I said, those are my lines. That's my team that she's quoted. Right. She used to be a Democrat. Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing is, a couple things. Number one, we saw no real alliance between Alan Fung and Ashley Kalis, and there was some personal beef there, apparently. I don't know what happened. We saw they had different events on election night. That may have helped, probably wouldn't have changed the, the overall results. But you know what, Ashley Kalis is a, a very smart woman. Um, she, you know, great credentials. She is um, soulful. I don't think that she's far right. I don't think her heart's filled with hate. You know, I've seen people calling her evil and this, that. In my interactions with her, she's a smart woman who just didn't know who she was politically. And at the end of the day, 
She's a fighter, but McKee's a winner. She, she was, was mean as a candidate, though, and you've got to do that differentiating, uh, differentiation. Definitely. I talked to her twice well, personally. We had real conversations, but she she threw the haymakers as a candidate, but without having to find herself, I think they rebounded against those, her. She'll make all her money back. That was quite the subject matter to throw the haymakers on, though. You had the the looming uh, the FBI investigation into the ILO ILO contract, just uh, the record of when it comes to education. The RICAS scores are being delayed. There was quite a bit of subject matter to throw the haymakers, but you do, you do have to define yourself before you do throw the let's haymakers. Just before we move on, let's pull up the map uh, for governor. And it looks, yeah, boy, this is not the uh, map for CD2. It looks alike. Same deal. All up in the western part of the state uh, is red. Probably no surprises, Bill, right? No, none, what, not, not whatsoever. Um, you know, you, you wondered, okay, is there like some kind of silent majority in Cumberland that's going to turn out against McKee or in Providence? I mean, it just doesn't exist. And, and and like you said, Bob, it's just, uh, you know, it just never materialized. And these barbs that she was using, the FBI investigation, the Rycast delay, I mean, it's like for those of us on the inside of this stuff that really know the actual truth, it's just mind-bogglingly, you know, uh, lowest common denominator. Yeah, it was good for the low-hanging fruit. The one thing I will say, Bob, that I think, and I talked about this in the, in the days following, um, is that it really helped, I thought, the united front of all the Democrats going together. You saw Greg Amore, Diosa, you saw Peter Narona show up, Jack Reed was there. You never saw Fung and Kalis together. And whatever that personal beef was, I think that sent out a really bad message. Yeah, I agree with you. I, and, and I'm very proud of my team for being coordinated when they needed to be coordinated in the election approach. But yeah, it hurt. Alan was their marquee candidate. Yeah. Alan Fung was the marquee candidate of the Republicans. And he's he was great, and he's great door to door, and Barbara oh, Ann would go oh, with him. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Again, I couldn't say it for six months. Alan's a nice guy. He's incredibly affable. You could say that. We, I, well, no, no, we were, I was on message. Yeah. Um, Steny Hoyer said he uh, got in trouble. We want to recruit him. We want Alan to be Steny a Democrat. Hoyer. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Um, let's go to uh, the General Assembly. I know you, Ray, Raymond. You've interviewed a lot of candidates, <laughs> and you do a lot on Providence. Um, tell me some of the races you were looking at. There was uh, quite a few. So I was looking at House 21 uh, between Marie Hopkins and State Rep Camille Vela Wilkinson. That it, the districts in Warwick. It, as of right now, I don't know if all the like final ballots are counted, but right now uh, Rep Vela Wilkinson's up by 16 votes, which is very close. 16. 16. Votes. Every vote counts. Um, right. And it, even even more to that point, uh, House 39 uh, between Rep Justin Price. Um, and uh, Democrat Megan Cotter, and there was an independent candidate who was uh, quite conservative who split That's the vote. That's four votes, right? Four votes. Every vote counts. Again, uh, that, that was uh, one I was looking at. Senate 29, the open seat that Senator McCaffrey retired from between uh, to uh, Tony DeLuca and Jennifer Rourke. That result was not as close as... Uh, it was a little more into the Republicans' favor than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a little closer, but I, I thought that would be Because the flip. establishment got behind him. Right. That's exactly Are right. these going to trigger runoffs, do you think, on most well, levels, right? Well, the 16 well, and the 4, right? What do you mean recount, the right? Re recounts, uh, for sure, right. right. You said runoff. A runoff. You were taking us to Georgia. Georgia has a Is Herschel Walker running for General Assembly in Richmond? Sorry about that. Reverend Warnock will be in Coventry next week. As of yesterday, I spoke with the Board of Elections. No recounts had been But today, we're taping on a Thursday. Correct. said that she would ensure recounts were requested. What struck you about? Well, what's interesting is about uh, District 39, the, the Price-Cotter race. Yeah. You know, C Cotter ran against Price back in 2020, then as a member of the R Rhode Island Political Cooperative. That's the progressive group that Jen Rourke and Janine Culkin and uh, Matt Brown chair. She left that group. And when you talk about winning inland, you know, I grew up in that area. I grew up in Charlestown, which is blue. But 
went to Cherahoe, which includes Richmond and Hopkinton. You know, this is an interesting test. Can somebody who is a progressive, but not associated with the progressives, go in and take out a sitting Republican in this district? Now, granted, Justin Price, he was at January 6th. There's a lot of things you can use to pin him Never down. Never wanted to put a mask on at the vets and yeah, made a big deal Totally. Out of that. So it's yeah. not like he's running against, there, there are other people that this may not work against. But interesting litmus test. The ground game in rural areas, very, very difficult. And it may be a way for uh, a pathway for Democrats to expand into some of these, especially well, in South uh, Carolina. Or take them areas. back, because we held seats in the western part of the state. Uh, the late Ray Sullivan uh, had a seat in Coventry. Uh, the Fogarty's had the seats in the northern part of the Gloucester, state. Yeah, uh, yeah Foster sure. Gloucester area. We've had seats in Boroughville in the past, uh, going back to C.O. Remington. Um, the most disturbing part of the uh, the map you showed in the governor's race is the bleed out of Johnston, Smithfield, and North mm -hmm. Smithfield, where usually we could uh, at least rely on some Democratic uh, turnout. So, and Speaking of Johnston, there was a couple of close General Assembly seats, too, House 42 and House 43. Uh, the Republicans got 47 and 40 in House 42 and 48 in House 43. The Johnson Republicans did quite the effort to try to capitalize on the fact that Johnson voted for Trump and that there's a lot of those voters who vote for Democrats, but they're still open to Trump, so they tried to possibly get that into a general assembly seat, and both of those seats were very close. So while Susie Yankee, we gave her credit for for putting up candidates, we had fewer uh, open seats. The Republicans couldn't put it over the finish line. And what struck me, Bob, especially in the leadership now, uh, former Senate Minority, longtime Minority Leader Dennis Algier, he got replaced by a Democrat, and Blake Filippi's seat went to Tina Spears, also Democrat. So maybe the numbers well, balance and those, out. And, and those seats are were personality based. So to to Bill's point, individual candidates can do well regardless of party affiliation when they are known in their communities. The Democrats would never put anyone up uh, with credibility against Dennis Algier and apologies to those Democrats that ran because the Democrats like Dennis Algier. And uh, Blake started as an independent and then flipped to a Republican after he already had the seat. And he was, you know, he worked hard uh, to get re-elected and then re-elected. So I, I think that, you know, anybody can win anywhere within certain parameters. Um, at the local level, but when you look at the concoction statewide, generally we are still a blue state. Do you want to finish off General Assembly and then I want to go to you on Providence? Uh, I just think it's interesting when we look at the, the, the Jen Rourke race, you know, and look, yeah. at some point, you know, for all the spiking of the football and celebrating the Democrats rightfully earned, you know, you go into the Biltmore on election night and you feel the energy, there has to be a decision made. Look, you know, the Democratic Party has encompassed a lot of conservatives in this state. You know, you look at uh, Mayor Lombardi, Policina, there's a branch that has pulled from the Republicans. You know, look, Tierra Mac, there are people inside the General Assembly who are progressive that are Democrats and, and are wear that D proudly. How willing is the Democratic Party in Rhode Island to accept that, hey, look, there are Jen Rourke's out there and we're not going to work against them. We're going to invite them into our tent we're not going to be fearful of having these powerful progressives inside you our caucus. You have to differentiate the co-op from progressives. I'm a progressive. There are plenty of progressives out there. The co-op included in its ticket that they were going to vote against existing leadership on the first day. That is as a Republican a tactic as you can possibly have. They essentially said to the voters, I'm going to go up there and be irrelevant. I'm going to go right up to the person in charge of the place and say, Sticking the heck the, with yeah, you, even though, and not only are they insulting leadership, they're insulting every single one of the Democratic colleagues who voted for that leadership. They are telling folks, I'm going to be irrelevant because I have 
signed on to this cult of a co-op, and that's why she and, lost. And I recall when the, the day that Joe Shikarchi was elevated to speaker, as, as we were leaving, media and candidates, and, or I should say elected officials, were leaving the Crown Plaza, Members of the co-op booing June Speakman, booing Brandon right. the Potter. The progressives. The <laughs> he got kicked out of the co-op because of that. Right. Because right. they right. didn't join the cult. Right. Let's do this. Right. Let's do outrageous and or kudos quickly because I do want to talk about Providence. Raymond, do you have an outrage or a kudo this week? Uh, I have a kudo. I want to give a kudo to all the people who worked at the polls and the election workers, especially in Rhode Island, too, because we got them results in quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it was really quick. Bob, Yeah, let me let me echo what Ray said. Thank you to all the people who worked. Thank you to the people who ran on both sides, win or lose. It's important in democracy that we have uh, candidates run. My only, uh, it's not even an outrage, it's an admonishment for next time. All the votes are already done by 8 o'clock. Doesn't matter what order they report them in. Don't get excited along the way. When the, yeah, all this the whole votes mail are, ballot the foolishness answer. about And oh. the mail ballot foolishness. Uh, uh, the woman who ran against Camille Vella Wilkinson ran a credible campaign, but she was on Twitter this morning complaining about, well, I won until they counted the mail ballots. No, you didn't. You lost. Yeah, Bob, Lan lost. Bob Lanzi, I went to bed thinking <laughs> that he beat Jim Langevin. Exactly. Uh, quickly? Uh, very quickly, kudos to anybody who put their name on the ballot this year. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's easy to say that it's easy to complain, it's easy to say things should be X, Y, and Z, go on Twitter, call talk radio, whatever it may be. Um, if you put your name on the ballot, wherever you stand, no matter how radically right or left you are, I give you credit for that and kudos to those who are bold enough to do so. You follow Providence politics pretty carefully. You've interviewed most of the candidates, sitting council members. It's going to be an interesting Democrat uh, dynamic. I think Brett Smiley ran on a post because, quite frankly, I think the Republicans were okay with him as opposed to putting somebody up. So now he faces a council that is going to be a lot different. A lot January. more progressive and a lot more younger. Uh, the term limits, this is the first election where term limits kicked in, so your John Igliozis and your Michael Correas, those council members who are Democrats, but a little more centrist and uh, to the right than the progressives who are in leadership positions now, uh, are term limits, so they couldn't run for re-election, so there was a lot of open seats. And in Providence, too, I have the numbers here. The ballot question for the school uh, hybrid school board passed with flying colors it got within the despite 7%. former mayors lobbying yeah. heavily against that that, that surprised me especially because I, I mean I was hearing that Providence turnout was a bit low in, in some parts so I, I and and you would think with you have the current mayor elect the current mayor couple mayors before that all lobbying against it and I was even hearing from some of the pro, uh, progressive candidates saying I don't want this idea it's gonna uh, it's gonna inject more politics or some saying uh, let's just vote no on this we want a full school board I thought it wasn't gonna pass an landslide but it did you wonder brett smiley ran on the meat and potatoes let's get back yep. to kind of the buddy Sancy for lack of a better let's make sure that the garbage is picked up and get off of all this social stuff that alorza did you wonder in practice that's going to happen or whether he's going to have to do kind of a hybrid on that it's going to be hybrid you know i think i think a lot of the programs that that mayor alorza instituted the reparations and so on and so forth the washing are, machines at classical high school sure and a lot of those things are doulas you know a lot of this stuff is pre-k uh, they're common sense policies that weren't always buttoned up in a way that the, uh, again, this, by, this term sounds uh, demeaning, but the low information, you know, person who saw it, oh, I saw in the six o'clock news, Alorza's, you know, doing everyone's laundry for them. I think the Smiley administration will be able to find a way to package these types of programs in a way that uh, that, are, that are more yeah. uh, you get cellular. you get thirty seconds and you get the last fifteen. Uh, Go. I think that uh, you can do the laundry, but 
as long as you plow the roads and everything else. I sure. think it's got, Providence is going to be a fascinating And work study on the RICAS scores, right, Bob? Because, yes. Well, you've got a Cambridge <laughs> well, council, but you've got, you know, a mayor who gets what he needs to do. And I was wrong a year ago. I didn't think Brett could win, so I was wrong. I own that, and Brett did win. And I think the smartest thing that he's already put out there is he wants to work with the Speaker, the Senate President, and the Governor to make Providence a thriving city. Fifteen seconds. Adding on to what Bob said, focus on the basics. Uh, I live in Providence. I'm in the Silver Lake area. My road has been cracked since I've lived there and I've lived in that house for 10 years please fix those kind of issues and you, know, you can also walk in chew gum at the same time and do the uh, policies like Bill had mentioned. That family of four living in that pothole next to your house is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> the roads are very cracked and ca actually caving in it's, it's terrible. Folks thank you so much it was a great half hour Bob and Raymond good to see you back and Bill and uh, folks come back next week we have a special panel we're going to bring some people up from URI to give you the students and the professor's point of view and talk a little bit about where Gen Z fit into this. Uh, I think this is going to really play out over the next week over uh, how that affected maybe co the congressional races. So come back for that next week. In the meantime, we appreciate you joining us and come back as a lively experiment continues. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.